The dimly lit room smelled of sage and mint and boiled cotton. A lone candle high on a whitewashed mantle threw off just enough light to illuminate a space on the wall above it where a picture of Abraham Lincoln hung. The sight of him with his top hat and wry smile seemed to calm Mita as she pushed and moaned, her legs spread wide apart. Fourteen-year-old Sylvia gently slid her hands between Mita's legs into what felt to Sylvia like the center of a volcano. How many fingers can you insert? Asked Dr. Miss, the midwife directing Sylvia. My entire hand, Sylvia said, as a low-pitched cry of pain rumbled out of Mita, and Sylvia quickly pulled her hand back. Your hand is not the cause of her discomfort this moment, Dr. Miss said. This is her first, and there is no history to draw on with the first to help them when they push. Yes, ma'am, Sylvia said. This was also Sylvia's first. She'd worked here going on a year as assistant to Dr. Miss, and right now her duties had taken a monumental leap. She and Dr. Miss had exchanged places, and instead of dabbing Mita's forehead and speaking encouraging words in a soothing voice and otherwise doing what Dr. Miss requested, Sylvia now sat on Dr. Miss's stool at the foot of the cot, taking the lead in delivering a baby. Now tell me what you see. Sylvia looked over at the waning flame of the candle that was struggling to stay alive. I believe I need more light, she said as she got up to retrieve the candle. Did I say you need more light? Dr. Miss snapped, as if to remind Sylvia who was who. No, ma'am, you did not. Your hands should be your light. Yes, ma'am, but you generally employ more light at this juncture. I am just trying to determine if there is a reason I know how to do this in the absence of light, and you must as well, because another occasion may require it. Leave the candle and return to the stool. Yes, ma'am, Sylvia said, then held her tongue as she walked back across the pine floor that had been painted white, the way everything in this room was white, from the cot to the stool to the hearth to the frame that held the president's likeness. Sylvia reasoned that the preponderance of white in this room was Dr. Miss's attempt at coating a swath of purity over the various situations that found their way here. Though Dr. Miss prided herself on delivering the babies of literate, well-to-do black parents attracted to her because her father had been a respected intellectual, a Freemason, and a barber who dispensed fiery diatribes against slavery right along with the perfect cut and shave, there was an underbelly to her practice that she kept hid from her respectable clientele, where she expertly removed formations eight to twelve weeks along before a woman started to show. Troubled formations, Dr. Miss called them, when a woman was not legally betrothed or too young or too old too fragile, or, as in the case of Mita, escorted here under the cover of night by a wealthy white man in a two-horse carriage. Dr. Miss had become well-known in the whispered circles of rich white men as a viable medical solution to the consequence of their indiscretions.
Mita was supposed to have been such a case. But once Mita was out of her cape, even Sylvia could see that though this young woman was small and carried small, the formation she carried had already dropped, was already in a prone position, and, troubled or not, was a full-term formation ready to be born. The candle's light was down to a wisp as Sylvia returned to her place on the stool. She was about to insert her hand again and see what she could see. But then Mita let out a growl of a sound, followed by a hard grunt that expanded like a cyclone, growing longer, wider. And Sylvia gasped, because suddenly she could almost see the head. Crowning? Dr. Miss called, standing over Sylvia now. I believe so, uh, yes. Cup your hands and take care. It will be slippery.